Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Headed down the home stretch here for another week of KSL Outdoors Radio and uh, still looking forward to talking with Ben Jones. He has completed his Continental Divide ride. And that's the way we will wrap up this week's program coming up in a few minutes. Bob Grove still with us here from uh, Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark. And, Bob, you thought it might be a good idea to bring Amy Myers onto the show from Sevier County. One of the things you guys do, you and Mark, is work very closely with uh, some of these great tourism offices. And, and Sevier County must be on that list. It is. I mean, we, we do work with several of the county tourism offices. Uh, we don't work on contract with Amy, but we do work in her county. We were there recently uh, working with the uh, Paiute uh, Trail Committee on shooting photographs and video of the uh, Paiute Trail in Sevier County. And and uh, we spent some time in Richfield. And uh, so I thought, yeah, this would be a great opportunity to highlight all the great things to do in the Sevier County area. We're interrupting uh, Amy from the county fair, I think, right now. And when we connected, were you conducting the bingo game or you were just participating in the bingo game? No, I just it's our senior day down here at our county fair. So I was just helping getting ready to serve lunch to them. Oh. So. Well, it's fantastic, and one of the things I love about uh, small county areas of, of this state and many others, I grew up in southeastern Idaho, is that uh, they have not forgotten their roots, and when the county fair comes along, the entire community comes out, and it really is a, a great uh, gathering place. I, I want to start with this question there in Sevier County. Why the name Utah's Trail Country? I had not heard that before. Well, we pride ourselves on our not only our ATV and UTV trails that are all over in our mountains here. You can go from our our town and our county through five other towns just on your ATVs and UTVs. But we also have a lot of mountain bike trails that are pretty new to our area that we're super excited about. Um, we have a, uh, lots of hiking trails around, and we have a balloon festival. So we even have trails in the sky. Um, we, in September, the end of September, we have uh, paragliding that comes to our area. We have mountains down here above Monroe that they jump off that they say are world-renowned. They're actually hosting uh, the world's paragliding worlds down here this year. Really? The first part of September. Yeah, they they can jump off our mountains and... I've heard of them going as far as Manti, which is a pretty good time, pretty pretty good chunk of time to be up in the air and flying. So, what did it take yeah, to land so, that? It's a worldwide event, huh? Yeah, it is. Uh, it actually just took people coming down and participating in the. Some of the locals got it started who love it down here, and they do the Red Rock Fly-In event down here is what it's called. 
And some of the people who participated in it then reached out to the guys who do worlds and said, these are unlike any other mountains, and you've got to come and experience it. So I had no they idea. They fly all year, but during September, the, the winds are just phenomenal. Just the, the the weather changing there. They can stay up in the sky for hours, and they love it. So That's fantastic. Pretty cool hey, event down here. Hey, Amy, is that off of Monroe Peak? Yep, off of Monroe Peak. Yep, they jump off of there, and then they jump off of a cove, an area called Signal Peak. So, yeah, over in those areas, there's a couple other places they jump from as well. So I'll tell you an area I have not been in in so many years, and I, w- I was telling somebody the other day that I, I really need to find time and, and make time to go down is the uh, Fish Lake Scenic Byway. I love that part of the state, yeah. and the fall season right around the corner is one of my favorite times to be there. Yeah, it's a great time to come. The aspens are just beautiful, and uh, up there that time of year when they start changing colors and just unreal. It's fun to come see. That's the time when the kokanee salmon are also running there at Twin Creeks. So we got fishing trails as well, I guess. It's just who we are in this area. Uh, And also, uh, Bob, Big Rock Candy Mountain, one of our favorite places, and we've got great memories from there. Yeah, the Severe River runs through there, and Big Rock, it's the world-famous Big Rock Candy Mountain, and and that big yellow mountain there is just a really, and it's under new ownership, and they're doing some really wonderful new things there at Big Rock. Yeah, isn't there a zip line, or is that still operating, Big Rock Candy? I believe it is, yeah. yeah. They still have the zip line up, and there's river rafting, and they built, took some old train cabooses and turned those into little cabins or places you can rent, so cool little area up there yeah. there's a bike path that runs clear through that that's paved it's about seven and a half miles so you can bike it and hike it it runs you down the side of the river so well as we get ready to wrap up here uh how long is the state fair going on and i'm curious what your favorite food at the or state fair is the county fair uh what your favorite yeah. food at the county fair is uh mine this year is actually a corn dog yeah <laughs> corn dog drizzled in honey there, uh there they're phenomenal so Yeah, it is going through Saturday. All right. Uh, So through today, as this interview airs, since we are recording this program Thursday. Well, uh, Amy, it's great to get to know you just a little bit and remind everybody of this fantastic place. You know, sometimes I think people skip right past Sevier County on their way somewhere else or here, you know, to do some skiing in the north. Stop for a while and enjoy what there is to see there. If you want more information, just go to SevierUtah.net. Amy, thank you. Thank you for having me. We will take another break. One final segment. Ben Jones joins us as we try and keep up with the Joneses next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, final couple of minutes of the program. Uh, Russell, I'm really looking forward to the next few minutes uh, just to get a little wrap-up here. And, yes, I said wrap-up as we continue to try and keep up with the Joneses, Ben and Brittany, uh, because it sounds like, Russ, and you would know better than anybody, they have finished the task here. Is that yeah, right? I actually watched. I actually watched them make it to the border on the tracker. Well, this has been exciting for us, and I hope for our listeners. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you, somebody else that's pretty excited about this is Ben. <laughs> ben, you made oh, it. Is. I made it. <laughs> Was there any doubt in your mind along the way? Oh, I um, I I was pretty determined. I think I would have rather killed over dead than uh, than not made it to the finish line. Yeah. But uh, but there were some moments where I thought mechanical or weather issues might might create uh might create something that would keep me from the end. But yeah, really excited. Uh, Tuesday at eleven twenty eight uh, a.m. I hit the border. Tuesday of this past week. Russ, I'm going to turn it over to yep. you and let you ask a bunch of questions because you had some you didn't get a chance to ask last week. Well, I, I want to ask nut and bolts type questions. Uh, and uh, I, especially your diet while you're on the road. What kind of foods, what kind of drinks created an advantage for you? Yeah, I was really lucky in that I worked with the Park City Livewell Clinic uh, and their nutritionist there, uh, Jessica LaRoche, and we came up with a food plan to help fuel my ride because I was, I was burning anywhere from 5,000 to 9,000 calories, uh, you know, every day. And so, and I, and I, I did lose, um, I did lose about 10 pounds, uh, which is kind of what we planned for the trip. Uh, so we were right on track. And so to eat and fuel that, I was having to take in about 50 carbs every hour. Wow. Uh, and wow. so I, I used a, uh, a liquid drink mix, uh, called uh, tailwind and another one uh, called Martin's, which would give me about 200 calories and 50 carbs per bottle. Uh, and I'd try to uh, take in four of those uh, during the day. And then uh, I'd also uh, made rice cakes every rest uh, day. And uh, my, my wife is an amazing uh, cook, and so Brittany put together rice cakes every week, so I'd eat rice cakes. Uh, after breakfast, you know, at about 10 o'clock, I'd have a Oh. rice cake and then a scratch bar and then a snickers and then uh you know keep fueling through the day and then at night uh i'd have about um three times as much food as i would normally eat uh lots of grain lots of grains and uh lots of pizza oh. and anything else i could eat i was uh my wife uh, was joking and said that she can't imagine what it was like to feed me as a teenager. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody yeah, that I... doesn't remember now, this was border to border, uh, Canada all the way down to tell us where you ended yeah. again. So we ended at Antelope Wells, New Mexico, which is where the Continental Divide crosses into uh, Mexico. And so we ended right at the border, uh, got a great picture at the border station and uh celebrated uh, it is in the middle of nowhere so there's literally nothing there except for the border crossing yeah russ i know you had a logistical question that uh we missed out on last week do you remember what that was oh yeah a couple things just uh mechanically on the bike we heard uh, of course we talked about uh you had some problems with uh a, a hub on on your was that on the road bike or on the mountain bike 
It was on my mountain bike, yeah. Yeah, that was in the mud. That's right. Any other issues like that that that, uh, that come to mind? You know, I didn't have any other mechanical issues. I was pretty diligent about uh, cleaning my bike. In fact, when I left on the trip, I knew I'd have to kind of do some bike maintenance, and uh, I had a good friend yeah. that walked me through some of the basics, and and um, so I stayed on it pretty good. But what I didn't realize until about halfway into the trip was how much I did not like cleaning my bike by the end of the uh, end of the ride. I mean, I, I was cleaning cleaning it every day, and it was getting really old. Yeah. You took you took a you took a bike stand with you to set up shop, or just on the fly yeah we have a bike rack on the back of our car that also uh has a has a rack function so that we can uh hang up the bike and cycle through gears it it was just uh it was just interesting because um you know there was so much rain on this ride we we had rain literally almost every day even when we were in new mexico it rained every afternoon and um so there was just tons of mud, to, and that stuff just wreaks havoc on your bike. So there's tons of stuff to clean up. Yeah. I do have to tell you guys, you know, after we huh. talked to you last time, we got down into New Mexico into the what they call peanut butter mud, and mm-hmm. <laughs> Brittany, Brittany sunk the van. Oh no! <laughs> so she uh, she got into some wet uh, some wet mud and sunk yeah. the van up to the axles but uh luckily yeah. luckily we'd outfitted the van with a winch and uh we were able to winch it back out onto the road well the only thing that would be better at uh telling that story is that you hooked it on your bike and you pulled her out of it <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would be the perfect finish to this whole ex- this whole adventure yeah i don't know it's a, it's a thirteen thousand pound van <laughs> Come on, oh, come on, Ben. I'm trying to write the perfect ending to this story. <laughs> All right. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what? Where do you think? Uh, I've been over a lot of the roads that you drove on and some of the back roads, um, except in New Mexico. I try to just stay on the freeway in New Mexico. But uh, what was the most desolate stretch that you had? Well, um, it depends on how you define desolate. I think the most desolate, uh, you know, stretch that I had was actually uh, on the Chaco Mesa in New Mexico as far as just yeah. heat, 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 and lack of water and lack of shade. But uh, it was definitely not the most remote stretch. I mean, some of the remote places uh, that we ended up in, Wyoming and Montana and British Columbia, I was convinced that if mm-hmm. I killed over dead, no one might find me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are some of my favorite places to be, unless, of course, you're pedaling yeah. your way through some 100-degree uh, heat or yeah. something. Uh, we, we only have about a minute left here, unfortunately, but I really want to ask you this question. And uh, now that it's all over, and I may have asked a similar question of you last week, and I apologize, but it, has it turned out to be what you expected? Uh, it was it was better. Uh, and you said a lot was, of that had to do with the people you met along the way. Yeah, I think it was better. I didn't expect the uh, the wonderful people that we met along the way. Uh, what a great experience it was for the family. In fact, we reached the finish line, and we when we finished celebrating and got into the car, my youngest daughter Briar said, 
oh, I'm so sad that this is over. Maybe we should just drive back to Banff and do it again. <laughs> and Dad said, oh, no. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's, that's like asking a woman who just gave birth if she wants another child. You don't want to yeah. do that right now. Yeah. Uh, well, Ben, we have really enjoyed uh, following you, uh, following along with this adventure and your willingness to share it with us. Thanks to uh, Skycall for helping yeah. to make that possible along the way. So congratulations from all of us. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm glad to have completed it, and I hope uh, others out there are inspired to go chase their adventure too. And Russ, thank you for yeah. helping to make that happen with Sky oh, Call too. And great as always. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. By the way, if you need a sat phone for an upcoming adventure, uh, tell them how to get a hold of you. Just call us eight zero one four five zero eight three one seven, or go online at uh, where yeah. am I online? SkyCallCommunications.com. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Russell, thank you. The uh, Greenhouse Show is coming up next right after the news. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.